0: you remember when the Thai boys soccer team was rescued from the Thailand cave? Yep. Remember that? Twelve boys and a coach? That cave was like two and a half miles long. A half mile to a mile deep. Underground, narrow passages, pitch black. An amazing rescue operation. I was riveted to the development of how that was going to turn out. We did not know if any of those boys were going to survive. But those Navy SEAL divers, those rescuers, they were undaunted. They went after it. You know, sometimes the water was flowing so strong and so cold that if the diver turned his head to the side and ripped their mask off in pitch black, it would take a diver five hours going one way to the cave where the boys were found. And then turn around and they brought them back. Amazing logistics, muscle, but of anything, it was bravery. These were courageous people. Now, the thing that I found astounding is that there were over 10,000 people involved in this rescue operation. 2,000 soldiers, 200 divers, representatives from over 100 government agencies, and then help from Finland, Britain, China, Australia, and the United States. And you know they got every single one of those boys out and their coach alive. One of the most amazing rescue operations of all time and we were all watching. There was one Thai Navy SEAL diver who in the middle of it, when they didn't know how it was going to turn out, was interviewed and he said this, the whole world is watching. We have to succeed. I don't think we have any other choice. And I want to use that as one metaphor for the church. The church's mission is a rescue operation. There are hurting people here in our neighborhoods, in our schools, and in our places of work. This is a dying, hurting, broken world. And we're on a rescue operation. I I just want you to know, I don't want to serve on a cruise ship like A little waiter giving my ties to comfy people eating lots of meals. No, no, no. I want to be a Thai Navy SEAL diver. And you're invited along in this amazing and most vital rescue operation. In a healthy, resilient, forward-moving church, leaders lead, followers follow, all in a spirit of mutual humility. If we could take that phrase and just keep repeating it to ourselves in a healthy, resilient, forward-moving church, leaders lead, followers follow. We all do it in a spirit of mutual humility. We're in the letter of 1 Peter. We're bringing it in for a landing. And Peter, the author, now is going to speak to leaders and followers. And then last week we'll conclude and Todd will come and bring the letter to a conclusion. So this morning, Peter kind of takes us to a little bit of inside family talk. And if you have a Bible, I invite you to be in 1 Peter 5 and we'll look at the first five verses. And it's really divided this way. He talks to the older ones and he says, the older ones, you guys lead." And then he turns to the younger ones and he says, hey, younger ones, you all follow. And then he says to all y'all. I want you all to do it in a spirit of mutual humility. It's very simple. Now, I'm going to spend most of my time on leaders leading because that's how Peter does it in the first four verses. Notice what he says. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. And here's his exhortation, verse 2. Be shepherds of God's flock. That is under your care, watching over them. The church needs competent and courageous leadership. Because in verse 12 of chapter 4, Tommy showed us last week, we're in the midst of a fiery ordeal. And the fact that we don't know that is part of the problem. If you're a parent, if you're a school teacher, if you live in the South Bay, if you relate to people, if you have friends who are married and have kids, those who want to be married, you know that it is a challenging time. This is a difficult time. And we're here and we look pretty, but we know that behind the story, behind the face, are situations that are very, very difficult. It's a fiery ordeal. In fact, leaders have targets on their backs. I am always taken by the image from 9 11 when the Twin Towers tragically and horrifically came down. Of first responders racing into the building while everyone else was trying to get out of the building. Of those stairwells where firefighters were going up the stairs to the upper levels to rescue another and another and another while victims were doing their best to get down. Leaders go in with courage In verse 1, Peter says, I'm a fellow elder with you, and I'm a witness of Christ's sufferings. We are a rescue operation that puts the cross of Jesus Christ in the center of our worship. And he says in verse 13 of chapter 4, he says, You have the opportunity to participate in Christ's sufferings. Leadership is difficult, leadership is dangerous. In fact, verse 8 of chapter 5 says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And what the devil wants to do is find a weak sheep off on the edge of the flock and scoop him up and eat him alive. But you know, another strategy is the reality that if he can get the shepherd, then the, the flock scatters. You move into leadership, you have a target on your back. Where are we to do this rescue operation, Jesus said, with his final great commission, go into all the world and make disciples. Go, go, go. This is cozy. This is comfortable and we, we enjoy this. This is a place we come to get refueled and replenished and, and enjoy the warmth of fellowship, but the message is always then we go because we're in a rescue operation. There's a mission that we're called to. And it's not only in here. It is out. It is going. Because God, through the Spirit, calls, creates, and commissions you and I as the church to communicate to the world because of that cross and because of the resurrection that the redemptive reign of God has broken into human history. We are people with hope who want to bring that hope To the world. So Peter says if you're a leader, then lead. If you're a leader, step up and lead because leaders lead. And maybe sometimes you feel like Captain John Miller, the Tom Hanks played in Saving Private Ryan, like a reluctant leader. I'm not sure I want to do this. I'm tired. I just want to go home. And you're called on a new mission. With a band of brothers, a band of sisters, and you go. Leaders lead. Now, I'm convicted that Peter's not talking about titles and positions here in 1 Peter. When he uses the phrase, to the elders among you, sometimes we conjure up this issue of, oh yeah, there's there's some really important people that run and control the church. That's not what Peter's talking about here. It's far more organic it's not formal that's what I love about the river you know, we're, we're, not, we're not too much into titles and we're, we're not too much into positions in fact you're trying to wonder who leads the church and where is it now Now we, we have this the newly formed council of leaders some, some wise people that give direction and yes you have some pastors that are on the team but, but the river we have leaders everywhere and that's who Peter calls the elders. They're the older ones, the older ones. So if you feel like you're an older one and not a younger one, Peter is like he's, he's talking, talking to you. It's a relative term, older ones. Now the reality is, is that in most groups you wander around, you go, hey, there's someone older than me right over there. I'm, I'm a young one, feels good. You look around, there's always someone younger than you. And Peter's saying, if you're, if you're one of the, the older ones, lead. Spiritually mature people, Peter's talking about, able to lead Jesus followers. And in reality, you only have to be a few steps forward, right? You only have to be a couple feet ahead of the person that's following you. Now you're the older one and you're the leader, You don't have to know everything you just have to know a few things more than the person that is following you Peter has this vision this this idea that there'll be many leaders in the church and that probably includes you at some level in some place you're one of the older ones you're called to leadership and Peter says step into that I asked Tommy Olson to give me the names of the high school students who are also tied small group leaders in our junior high ministry. Kit Plummer. Sarah Atashi. Sarah here? Are you out there? I thought I saw you. Beach service. service. Reese Hirschberger, He was down there setting up the sound on the beach. Olivia Sampras. She leads our worship on the beach and Lauren Brenneiser. These are high school students who have a rush small group leader who pours into them. They follow the leadership of Matt Engel, our high school pastor, but they turn around and they go and lead small groups with our junior high students. Do you see how that works? They follow and they lead. How do you know if you're a leader? Look around. Is anyone following you? fact, you've heard it said. If you think you're leading and no one is following, you're just out for a walk, right? right? Who's following you? There's probably someone following you, looking up to you. And I want you to notice that he says there in verse two, be shepherds of what? Of God's flock. It's just a reminder. It's God's flock. You know, in student ministries, we, we often think of our small group and we think, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. My girls, you know, my, my guys. They're not your girls. They're not your guys. My grounded group. It's not my grounded group. My church. This is God's church. This is God's flock. We serve the chief shepherd and lead in his flock. They're always his girls. They're always his guys. It's always his team, his classroom. There's fl- hey, there's Reese right there, man. Yeah, shout out to Reese Hirschberger back there. So what Peter's doing here is he's wanting leaders to check their motives. He wants us to pause and check our motives because there's always a temptation for leadership to turn in. On itself. And I think Peter has in mind the shepherds in the Old Testament, the shepherds of Israel that God had a warning and a judgment on. In fact, He replaced them, He removed them from their position. In Jeremiah 23, Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing. If you're a leader, you are in a direct line back to the Old Testament shepherds. And Jesus replaced them as the chief Shepherd God placed Jesus over his new flock, the church. And he gathered 12 men around him. And he discipled them and invested in them. And then he gave them the great commission to go out and take this message of hope to everyone. And if you're leading today, what we're doing, we're in a direct line of descendants. From those shepherds to Jesus, to the 12 apostles, to you today. Whether you lead inside the church or outside the church, whether it's part of the river ecosystem or part of the Jesus ecosystem of taking the good news everywhere. So notice what Peter says in verse 2. Shepherd, lead, watch over, care for God's flock. And then he says this, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not because you must. It is a temptation for leaders to go through the motions. It is a temptation for leaders when they get tired to mail it in, to just sort of, okay, I'll do it another time. I've been a pastor for over 40 years, and I know what it feels like to get tired, Fatigued. And you know what comes next? Discouragement. Have you ever been discouraged as a leader? I have. What am I doing? What the the, the sheep? Come on. Am I making any difference? And after discouragement, you know what moves into next is cynicism. Oh, a cynical leader. They need to take a break. You know what's after cynicism? Burnout. And and pastors, I know. We pastors, we're prone to burnout, but all leaders are. Parents, parents are prone to burnout, right? You're the leader in your home. It's easy to get worn out and cynical and angry, not because you must, but because you're willing. It's this idea of, of a willing, voluntary, I'm all in, I'm jumping in. There comes a time when we need to rest, we need to pull away, we need to rejuvenate. But when we lead, Peter says, man, I, I, don't give it half. Go all in. And then he goes on to say, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Money and prestige are a temptation to leaders. Ministry and money can be very, very tricky using ministry somehow for a financial gain, but also leaders that want to use the platform of leadership for personal prestige. Look at me, but Peter says, no, no, no. I want you to lead as one who's eager to serve. Jesus had to say, to his disciples when they were having discussions with themselves about which one of them was the most important. And he said, no, 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 we're, we're not going to do this mission that way. That's the way the world does it many times. No, if you want to be great, Jesus said, then become a servant. Leadership is always about serving God's flock. And then thirdly, he says, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Leadership and power is very tricky. And many times, people that want to hold on to power or use their leadership position to get more power, what they're really dealing with is fear. What what are you afraid of that keeps you from just opening your hands and giving yourself away as a servant to others? What? Why do we have to To hold on to power and control can be insidious in a church that's moving out into the frontier. And many churches, they end up getting like stuck inside, focused inside on, on power battles between one another. Peter says, let it go. Don't lord over the ones that God has entrusted to you, but set people free. Empower other people. So if I could summarize what Peter is saying by way of these temptations, he's saying, I want you to be willing, eager, examples. Willing, eager, examples. Examples. Kuznets and Posner wrote a book called The Leadership Challenge. Matt and I have been reading. We, we just love this book, eating it up. And they say this, credibility is the foundation of the relationship between leaders and followers. They've been sending out surveys for 30 years. And what people are looking for in a leader has been consistent for all 30 years they say we want leaders who are trustworthy we want leaders that have some expertise in their field and we want leaders who are inspiring and they say it comes down to one thing credibility credibility the credibility of the river church through its leadership in our community wherever the tentacles of this church go credibility can i trust those people I trust that church. The River Church. The thing I love about this group of people, that from the beginning, this group has been about setting people onto the path of leadership. Many, many leaders. And for the river to continue to be healthy to be resilient, to be forward moving, we need to have this attitude that, yes, you could be a leader. Yes, you could be a leader. Yes, you are a leader. Yes, step up, you're a leader. Many leaders moving forward, many people with the idea, oh, I could do that. God's calling me, I could take that step forward. A willing, eager, Examples so that you're reproducing your godly self into the future. So then he moves to the younger ones, and I'm just going to briefly touch on this. I want you to know I have so many thoughts in my minds about being a follower. I have five sermons caught up in this heart of mine that I just want to give, but. Just a few thoughts. Notice what he says. He transitions in verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger submit to your elders. There are seasons in our lives when it's vital that we are followers. It's the way a healthy church operates. Leaders lead and followers follow. Have I already made it clear That the vision is for many, many leaders. But sometimes we have to follow. When we're young, we need to follow. When we're just a beginner, we need to follow someone that's a little farther along than us. Or at whatever age we're at, when we enter into something new, we can become a follower. We can be a lifelong learner. We've never arrived. There's not only more to discover and find out, but there's more to learn, there's more to do. So in one sense, we never stop being a follower. A healthy church has leaders that lead and followers that are ready and willing to follow. Sometimes pride gets in the way. Quick story. Cynthia and I are on our honeymoon in the Caribbean, beautiful island, and they have little sailboats that you can take out in. And the instructor said, hey, you know, so, Bill, do you know what you're doing? Oh, of course. You know what I'm doing? I've got to show off for my new bride. I can sail that bad dog. She says, okay, that's fine, you know, but about 400 yards out offshore, there's a coral reef below the surface of the water. Don't go near the reef. Got it, got it. So we're out there 40 minutes sailing. I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm not a good sailor, but I'm showing off for my wife. In fact, she should have been captaining the ship because she knew more about sailing than I did, and I heard her voice, but I was pushing it out. And you know what I did? I put the sailboat on the reef. I got it stuck. And that instructor came out there, she was so mad at me, as she should have been, because my pride got in the way of me being a learner, a follower. I could have avoided something that was not only embarrassing, but really bad for the reef and the sailboat at the same time. If you know and understand baseball, if you've enjoyed baseball, if you've had a coach that has taught you about baseball, you know that there's some proper protocol in catching a fly ball. And I love baseball, played baseball as part of my life, and I can remember being taught, as an outfielder, you have a priority in catching fly balls over the infield. But there's a protocol in the outfield as well, so if there's a fly ball that goes between the center fielder and the left fielder, and it's in between them, the center fielder has priority. And if the center fielder calls off the left fielder, the left fielder needs to yield. It's just the way it works. If there's a pop fly in the shallow right field and the second baseman sprinting over to catch that pop fly and the right fielder comes in and says, no, I got it, I got it. It doesn't matter what the second baseman says. They're to yield to the right fielder. And when you've ever seen outfielders collide with one another, somebody didn't yield to the other. There's a lesson in that. Sometimes we lead and sometimes we follow. In some scenarios, you are a leader and you need to step up and lead. And in other scenarios, you're a follower and you need to step down and yield to someone else. It's the way a healthy church works. We can almost always be a leader sometimes and of followers and others. I'm just going to tell you a quick story about Danny Waddell. Danny Waddell is a high school rush small group leader. He's amazing with students. Students love him. They flock to him. They watch him. They want to be like him. They learn from him. But Danny Waddell is a young married man with small boy and another one on the way. And he realized, wait, I want some older men in my life to mentor me. So he launched a gathering that will occasionally have some older guys and some younger guys. And they gather together and they talk and they learn from each other and they enjoy one another. Danny Waddell is a great example of someone who is both a leader and he's a follower, sometimes in the same setting. And then Peter brings it to a conclusion with probably the most important message that we have. He says in the second half of verse 5, All of you, whether you're a leader or a follower, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humility in the ancient world was disdained. It was not looked upon as anything that a leader would ever want to manifest. But the early Christians took this attribute of humility that everyone said only weak people are humble. It's only appropriate of a person that works for another or is a slave to another or is lesser in the relationship. And Christians turned it around and made it one of our prime virtues. It's clothes we wear. All of our relationships. In all of our leadership, there's humility. In all of our followership, there's humility. Because Peter recognizes that leaders can dominate. Leaders can have a tendency to dominate. And followers can have a tendency to rebel and say, I don't want to do that. And in a healthy, resilient, forward-moving church, leaders lead and followers follow, all in a spirit of mutual humility. So I'm going to leave you with four statements. If the worship team, you guys can come on Four statements. I want to say this. If you're a leader, humbly lead with courage and bravery. If you are a leader, humbly lead with courage and bravery. If you're a follower, humbly yield with respect and bravery. Now here's the last two thoughts. Some of you are going to need to step up and start leading again. God has put a call on your life. There's followers that are waiting. They're watching your example. It's time for you to lead. It's time for you to step up and to say yes to God. Some of you are going to need to step down and become a follower again. And that's going to take a lot of humility to say, I need to rest. I need to learn. I need to refuel. Leaders lead. We need your leadership. The rescue operation cannot happen unless you put the mask on and you dive in. Followers, we need you as part of the 10,000 to make the rescue operation happen. We're not all Navy SEAL divers, but we're part of the the operation. We're going to sing a song, and it's a song that is going to invite you in prayer, and worship, uh, to yield, to listen to God, to, to lean in to his call in your life, to, to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead willingly, I'm going to lead eagerly, and I'm going to live as an example. So when that song's done, Denise will come and guide us into a time of communion, Let's not go to communion yet. Let let the Holy Spirit speak deep into your heart as Jasmine and the worship team lead us and we follow them.